morning, everybody. Welcome back to Giant Talk, the world's first OKR podcast. This week, I'm delighted to have joining me as a guest, Emma from Digivisor. Welcome, Emma. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to talk to you. No problem at all. So, um, well, this week, we're going to talk about how to get slick with OKRs, really, aren't we? Um, yeah. Which is it's going to be all about, all about retrospectives and um, things you can learn along the way. And, and the journey that Digivisor have been through. Yeah, we're now probably three and a half years in since we implemented them. So we've, we've learned a lot along the way. Wow, so you guys are pretty early adopters then. You're going to have some great lessons to share. <laughs> and modified along the way as well, yes. Of course, it's super important. That's one of the most important parts. So, so tell us a bit about yourself, Emma, then. What's your background? So, uh, I mean, my background, I'm founder and CEO of Digivisor. We founded in 2010. Prior to that, my background was in corporate, originally in marketing, but uh, prior to Digivisor, I was president and chief operating officer of an of a ASX-listed electronics design software worth about $4.5 billion market cap. 97% of our revenues earn overseas. It was in electronics design software, so it was all at that time around, you know, um, the Internet of Things and smart devices that were, were going to come into play. And through that insight of travel and watching what was going on and really seeing the adoption of smart devices and mobile and a complete removal of this notion of fixed desk working and bricks and mortar stalls when you, you, you're going in particularly into Asia... Um, I was like, okay, the future's everything's going to be on the mobile phone, you know, the digital footprint of people. How can we, if I found, you know, if, if I use this as my opportunity to create a company which was start all that digital footprint of people and meaningful for organisations so they could better, you know, acquire their customers, you know, cross-sell, you know, um, take them from a they don't know you to a, to a you know, a, consideration, conversion and, and loyalty. So that, that's what Digivisor was. Um, started with on the enterprise side, um, building our own technology in, in the social media and search space, which has then gone into web, and then most recently launched that as a technology platform for businesses everywhere as a SaaS and a low-cost way of getting in, but having that same insights and all the learning since 2010. Um, so we're in 12 countries now. Um, we 40% of our revenues are earned overseas. You know, we've got um, you know 50 plus employees around the world. So it's it's been an interesting journey since 2010. Fantastic! Sounds exciting. Coming it's up. been a it's been a wild journey, and you know it's it's funny. You know, you go from corporate to starting your own business, and and it's um, you know you take the best of what you learnt in a big big company but you just don't have the resources that you can lean on in terms of that so you have to get really smart about culture and that's where OKRs actually fit in for us was like how could I develop a high performance culture where everyone knew what we were working towards but in a framework that meant that it was easy to deploy in a much smaller organization and you know um, distributed around the world you know we needed to find a framework that could create this common language and um, you know like a, a, a way that everyone could contribute and measure and know whether we're being successful and really feel like they, they were part of it. Interesting. So when you first came across OKRs then, were you 
were you actively looking for a solution to some of these issues or did you kind of stumble across OKRs and think, aha, this, this, is, this could work for us? Uh, I was. I guess it was probably just more a stage of growth. It, it was just at the end of 2015, you know, coming into 2016, um, and really acknowledging that what had built our company and got us, you know, from startup to, you know, that stage wasn't going to take us into the next kind of, uh, you know, stage of growth. And you know, I, I'm very keen about building a, a very successful global company um, and, you know, that's recognised in the same breath as the technology great. So for me, this was not a small thing. I needed to find a way to be able to frame that. I'm a, I'm a, a ferocious reader and podcast listener and, you know, I, I was, you know, just trying to get my hands on anything of, you know, how did technology like the successful company scale and what were some of their key inflection moments and what were the, the tools or the processes or, yeah, decision making, you know, like what drove that? And I came across a book, Radical Focus, and that was really when I first understood this OKR framework and thought, okay, this is this is it. I think we can, I think we can use this as the vehicle. And um, well, and, that is yeah, a fantastic book. Yeah, and it, it was great. And you know, I didn't implement it exactly the way they said, but I love. Um, very clear key results, um, keeping it, you know, um, quite, uh, you know, never, well, for us, we've never had more than three, um, so that it's a very succinct way to build the business. And that's cascades from the business, you know, all the way down. So every individual understands those three. We communicate, we measure, it becomes the language. And then that breaks down from the year to the quarter. And it, it's been real, it's, I mean, it really has helped us grow. And it's been the framework we've continued to kind of build from. But you know, it, there's not a person here at Digivisor that doesn't know what they are or wouldn't understand or be able to communicate to you what OKRs has meant to our organisation and to them. That's fantastic. So how many people did you have as part of your team when you first implemented them? Uh, so back in 2015, 2016, we probably were about 30 people maybe. Um, and as I said, we're 50 plus now. Um, so it was a smaller team to, to put in, but I knew it was important because of the next stage of growth that we were going through and the yeah. fact that we wanted to expand globally, that there had to be a way that we could get this single, you know, um, kind of body minded focus on what we were set out to do and what were our key measures so that we, we had all our smart people that we'd hired all working towards one, one kind of clear outcome or, or you know that broke down into the three okrs and how have you found keeping up the momentum with okrs whilst bringing in new staff so everyone gets onboarded into so we break them down to quarters um yeah. they leave every quarter for people in the sense that um the way we now do we used to do active uh, retrospect uh, retro retrospectives with the team it's we're too big to do that now so we do that through a survey form but we share the results in a hundred percent transparent but um, anonymized way so everyone sees what's how people are feeling about them and it's really like you know what did we do well what didn't we do so well what did we do differently how connected you did you feel towards them um, you know and then your own personal because we've we set them at the company, we set them at the personal level mm -hmm. um, and that seems to work best and then it's the same set of questions and then we kind of do our, I guess, our ultimate measure, right? How happy are you out of 10? How likely are you to recommend Digivisor to someone else? How likely are you to 
um, you know, both as a as a, a potential customer, you know, to bring a customer in or an employee in. Um, and then how likely are we to hit, to hit our vision, you know, what we're actually setting out to do. And, and that to me sets the real pulse of our OKRs successful in maintaining um, a high belief culture that, you know, believes what we're, we're working on is the things that are going to help us be successful. And that, again, gets shared in a really transparent way back to the team. Yeah, I mean, transparency is, is vital in the success of OKRs. Mm. Mm. Um, what's the uh, what's the team's attitude towards OKRs? Uh, to be honest, I think I think that you know it's always getting that balance right. If they're too easy, then you know there's no challenge. If they feel too far away, then you know yeah. stretch. And some we might get, some we might get close, and there might be some some we miss. Mm. Um, but I think the based on those pulse checks, those kind of measures that I was talking about, you know, we, we score universally on every measure of over seven and a half out of ten, you know, which is higher than other organisations where I've pulse checked the same type of, you know, uh, culture and general employee happiness questions. Yeah. Um, but in terms of belief of the company to be able to get there, that, that sits well over, you know, eight and a half. So... For me, I think that's a reflection that the way we go about doing our business, not just where we play, is one that they buy in on. Yeah. So how did you actually originally go about implementing them then? Because it sounds like you've done a very good job of the change management process because there are companies that we talk to who have got this bit wrong and it's a really crucial part um, because if you get this wrong, OKRs become a mandated process, right? Coming down from the CEO of the company, um, and it's just another tick the box exercise. They don't really believe in it. What process did you you undertake for the implementation? Yeah, and I, I mean, I think I think you're right, and I think it's a. I've got to live and believe this myself as the the CEO and founder. I don't think it works. I've been in organisations where it's been tried to to push in from the side or handed to some some person, you know, to to roll out. Whereas this sits with me and the leadership team. You know, this is something we all have to take responsibility for. Um, and including having those conversations from a performance, you know, and a constructive performance, you know, regular conversation with employees. We have a, a weekly update that goes out to all employees that kind of sets the objectives, but the OKRs are measured every week. How are we tracking against them? So there's no, it's highly visible, you know, um, they get referenced in the monthly wins, you know, there's all these kind of, you know, cultural things. But in terms of what drove the success of implementing them, it was just that total ownership. Provide a framework. I was happy and, you know, Digivisor's culture is one of continuously test and iterate till we, we feel we, we've got something that really works effectively for us. But I think um, the buy-in really came when we were, at a period where we kind of had two models going on. We was we were serving some very big and, you know, very well-known customers and they still are our customers today and we love them, but we hadn't quite aligned, you know, what those objectives were and how they worked as part of this kind of bigger technology SaaS platform we were working to create to get, you know, to be able to serve businesses everywhere no matter what their size Sure. So creating a framework that pulled everything together to create this single view and every effort towards the one outcome, it really helped us do that. So it had leadership buy-in and employees felt like 
it was very because they create the what are the measures right i set the objective at the business level but then how that breaks down to the quarter the organization builds that so it starts from kind of bottom up to hit those things brilliant um and then the measures have to be ones that, you know, get pressure tests. And so we do a lot of in the, so we spend a day, a quarter, um, really, um, you know, going, breaking those OKRs down, the, the, those down to get to the KRs and then that gets, you know, split into teams and then presented back and kind of pressure tested in the organisation until they feel like we can all stand behind them. Um, so it's good facilitation, like you have to be a strong facilitator in that, but we always get there. And I think the fact that people have seen their success come off the back of them, then they own them. And they have modified, right? We used to do longer parts of the retrospective in real time on those days, but we realised the real value came in building the plans and pressure testing how we would actually make sure that what we were going to, to aim for was could be could be achieved and they're the right measures. Um, and it's, you know, it's part of the, the, the language and the culture. So we're also make sure it lives at hiring, you know, onboarding. Um, you know, it's very much a, it's a non-negotiable part of the way that we work and measure our own success and our people's success. That's fantastic. Kudos. Um, so you mentioned in, in the research call that, that we always have before we do the recording of the podcast, um, that you guys at Digivisor believe OKRs have really helped you to grow without mm. without the need for VC investment. Um, why why do you believe that to be the case? So I think I mean first of all, just to clarify, we did take some private investor um, investment back in two thousand and fifteen, which right. helped kind of build the first stage. But then since then, we we you know we, we built a new platform again, so it's continued. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And our view is we probably will um, be open to taking VC money in the future. But what it really allowed us to do to the heart of that question of the growth is clear as to what going after and what the key focus for the organisation so you can have every one, you know, all these. Emma, we just, we just had a slight drop out there in the quality of our call. Do you mind just repeating that from the start for us? Okay, from the start. Um, so we did take private investment money back in 2015. So we, we started in 2010. We, we grew ourselves to 2015. We took that money and I wanted to make sure that, that we got the best value. That was when we implemented the OKR framework. Um, but we've been able to, to grow significantly to this point without taking VC and, you know, and we will for as long as we can. We're open to taking that again. But I think, you know, the, the real... Um, value in this growth has been how have we been able to scale um, and provide all this smart, talented, you know, people who are working towards something but the same thing with this crystal clear written, you know, what we're going after, what the measures are of success. And it, it, I, I couldn't believe how simple the framework was to actually get this massive multiplica multiplication effect of, resources that when they were working together we actually got kind of much greater outcome than people working maybe in a more isolated or with a little you know less clarity or you know um split still between say enterprise and you know um smaller business like there was a it just brought everything together and everyone started to work as one and 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 that's what's allowed us to grow right okay so 
uh, how did it allow you to do, you know, the focusing of resources, for example, or, or being able to pivot quicker than you would have done traditionally before implementing OKRs? So I think that the secret is making sure that the overarching kind of business objectives are just the kind of the financial ones. So where we're going to play, what are we going after in terms of revenue and the the kind of the, the breakdown of, of customers and, you know, because global was part of it, right? So we kind of set it very, how we get there is what the kind of the, the quarterly strategies around. Um, so that, that breaks down from a year to a quarter, those numbers in terms of what does it mean that we need to get to, otherwise we won't get to our annual, you know, kind of um, objectives. So, so, and, and key results. So that, that forms the thing that everyone stands behind. But if, if that quarter didn't work or some aspect of it didn't work or, you know, we got some things right and something we didn't, then we've got that ability each quarter to learn from that in the retrospective mm. and then apply something that might be better suited given, you know, things do change and particularly in technology. So it allows you to Again, because your whole team is part of this process, you get this total alignment very quickly without needing a, a huge communications framework to sell it in because they've been part of that process. And because it lives and breathes in its own kind of, you know, the rest, the way we, we communicate the rest of the time, that these changes are actually all part of the, the process, this, this thing that we are continuously revisiting and shifting and, you know, as long as we hit the, the overall kind of, you know, objectives that we're chasing for the year. Sure. So you, so you mentioned a couple of times there and you have done before as well about um, retrospectives, which, which makes me think that they are a core part of your OKR rituals, um, which is music to my ears because personally I think they're the most important part of the OKR process. What, what yeah. do you guys believe the importance of, of retrospectives to be? So I think, I think you know, like everything, if you can run a great retrospective, it's probably one of the most powerful learning tools. That The, the mistake is organisations who move straight into the solution, right? Mm -hmm. Here's what we're going to do next, as opposed to what do we learn? You know, what do we do well? What didn't we do well? Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, like that that's such an important part to actually lead to much better kind of thinking around solutions. Um, so one of the other sort of frameworks which kind of came, you know, hand in hand with radical focus was radical candor. Yeah. And that again is part of the culture of Digivisor is that, you know, this isn't personal, this isn't about, you know, any one individual. It's what, you know, giving the team the ability and the confidence to be able to truly critique what it is that we're not doing well so that when they're putting their minds to how we could do this differently, again, this is something everyone can contribute to. Um, so very, very powerful tool. I mean, it's often used in software development and engineering um, as, a, as a good tool, but I, I've seen very poorly facilitated retrospectives and I've seen them get personal and I've seen one voice dominate as opposed so we do lots of silent even if it was a live retrospective to make sure that um, everyone gets their view they all have to then share what they were thinking um, but it means you lose this one dominant voice it's like everybody contributes to to their analysis so therefore you know better outcome 
So what what adaptations to the process have you made then along the way as you've as you've uh, witnessed not so great retrospectives? <laughs> um, well, as I said, probably the biggest is doing the what we did well and what we didn't do so well as yep. a as a anonymous kind of online survey, but it gets then presented back verbatim to everyone. Right. Um, so nothing gets hidden, nothing gets modified. It's still, you know, as raw as it would have been, but it saves time. And so we've been able to put more of our focus into, well, then knowing this, what would we do differently, you know, and what should we be focused on mm. if this is the truth? probably on the team around what the solution is as opposed to just getting to where we want to focus and then taking that away which is how we originally did it was we kind of get to this point of okay here are the things we need to work on now break away into different teams and then that becomes your job to kind of make that happen um we didn't get the clarity or the momentum in the same way that we have by just shifting that to more time to like what are we really going to be working on this quarter and how do we bring the strength of the team in the planning yeah. uh, and commitment yeah. to that um and then i think just you know we really simplify we keep it to the three i had i did also have to when it came to so we had different we were, we were running lots of um cross you know, cross project, you know, cross team projects, uh-huh. uh, and 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 a, and a leader could own an OKR um, anywhere in the organisation. You know, they, they could, you know, they could have never had anyone manage, and this could be part of their development. And yeah. to be honest, that that worked really, really well. But because the pace and the urgency for needing to go, I've just found what's best is there's kind of this ownership at the in the leadership team, there's someone that owns kind of acquisition, someone that owns um, nurture and someone that owns um, business as usual. And the OKRs generally fit somewhere into one of those. And so they become like the champion of the success of the OKR so that the team that is working on that has someone senior enough that can actually make stuff happen or make decisions or enable or empower them as they're making decisions along the way. And that, that's a modification that wasn't, you know, how, how we originally, you know, um, implemented and kind of followed more the guidance of the book and we're, we're, we're probably a lot different than where we were 2016, but the principles are still there. And how often do you conduct the retrospectives? So every quarter. Right. Um, so the quarter, it always falls on, you know, the financial year quarter. So... Yeah, we had ours for this quarter on the 1st of October. I mean, ideally, I'd love to get it into the last week of the the last quarter, but because of the way sales and different yeah. things happen, there's a lot of focus. And also because we're trying to hit our targets, right? There's been set for the, the quarter and the OKRs. Yeah. That we just, and these just get pre-booked and it's a day um, that everyone in the organisation um, is you know is in an out of office and it's a, a planning meeting and customers and anyone else they, they can't get in contact with us so that the team can 100% focus. Awesome. Okay, that's that's really interesting. Um, what reasons do you believe there are for OKRs to fail within an organisation? Look, I think. Um, if the leadership team isn't aligned behind them, and as I said, from, from the, the top down, I've seen it doesn't matter what change management, if you don't have a champion or someone that's going to actually live, breathe, talk, measure, um, believe in that total transparency, then I think there's room for failure. 
I think the accountability, like the at the personal level too. So we, we did originally cascade from business to team to individual. And we found that it got a bit weak either at the individual or the team. It wasn't it, it wasn't as effective as one as the organization. Sure. Jules making commits that they were personally going to make to making, you know, one of these or all of these, whatever they committed to happen but no more than three either for themselves for the quarter and then that gets also kind of measured and that's in a that's a shared document and you know people you know um talk about where they are in their progress so look I I think it just wouldn't work if you if if you didn't truly live it and communicate it and measure and hold people accountable to it Mm. yeah I agree And, and there's a lot of work that needs to be done around the word accountability I think um, in, in too many instances, people still think accountability means opportunity for blame. Um, and, and I think you have to work hard to build that out of your culture and out of people's minds. Yeah, and I think that's that, um, you know, I was talking about radical candos. You've got to build the culture that allows people to talk really openly. Yeah. And, um, at, but it's not personal and we would never allow personal. Mm. Um, but it's, I mean, it's very much our culture, right? Our culture is not a personal. It is very, it's, it's quite flat. It's, it's 100% transparent. Everyone can have a voice. You're the master of your own destiny, you know, like, um, but you're right. If there was a blame culture, it would fall down. Yeah, or a fear of failure. Mm. They're the two big cultural red flags for us um, that, that just kill, kill OKRs dead, really. Yeah. And I, th- I think that even that knowledge of, like, you might not hit all of them, like what's that stretch that needs to be there? If, if they were all achievable, then then you're not pushing, you know, your your organisation uh, or people as much as, you know, their talent might allow. So I think it's the, it's not that did we get 100% or not, it's like how far do we we get there? Yeah. Um, and, yeah. If, and if we do, then it's a massive celebration. And if we don't, then then, you know, it's that analysis. Like if we learn a lot, if we just got it wrong, um, well, that's one thing. But as long as we're not rationalising in a way, the lessons are there and we know why. But hopefully it's it's usually somewhere in that we nearly got there or, you know, we're well over, you know, maybe 50 60% there and so it's not ideal but, you know, we learn a lot as to why we sure. didn't. No, completely agree. Absolutely. Um, brilliant. I mean... So I guess to, to wrap up then, and, and the listeners will be well used to me asking this question, what's the one piece of advice you would give to a company that wanted to get going on their OKR journey? I think adapt it to your organisation. Um, make sure the ownership is is there at the top, but continue to learn and let your people evolve it mm. so that they 100% own it. I think that's that's got to be the key way to be successful with this. Yeah. I am so happy that you gave that answer because we didn't even rehearse that answer. Um, <laughs> and that is, that is one of our number one mantras. There are, you know, we are, we're OKR consultants, obviously. We, we help companies all over the world with their implementation. Um, and, you know, one of our USPs really is that we adapt that process to make sure it works for the organisation. Um, there are a lot of consultants out there who take a sort of one-size-fits-all approach and, and I don't really understand that. I don't understand how they can make that work for the business. Um, 
So I think you're mm. absolutely correct. I think make it work for your organization and adapt to the culture of your people. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like I, I was never a big fan of the balanced scorecard because I found that what generally got put in those things were the things that were, were easiest to measure yeah. um, and also the hardest to keep any right. one person truly accountable because everything was so interdependent. Sure. Um, so I, I love this at a kind of like it's it's almost like the aspirations of the company mm. and then how can you help make that happen? And so it's very easy and clear to see success or not success or, you know, your role in contributing to that. So it makes that whole performance yeah. conversation and framework much easier to implement against. And, yeah. and that's so how you it has to be owned by the team. Yeah. Mm. That is how you're going to retain and attract the top talent. You know, all the research coming out these days is that people want to understand their role in the organization, understand the difference they're making, um, and understand the positive difference on the world the company's making. Um, so it's a fantastic way of showcasing that. No, I completely agree. Cool. So that is a, that's a fantastic way to wrap up. Emma, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. You know, it must be it must be quite late in the evening there, is it? Oh, it, de- it, de- it depends, right? Like sometimes after hours is when you get all the work done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very true, very true. Um, and and apologies. It has been great to talk to you, though. And you know, I do encourage people to look at this because I think it's like everything. I remember back in the days. This is very early on in my career, but, you know, QA certification, and I use that as a real vehicle to create a change matter in a manufacturing um, organisation. And I feel like this is much more constructive and, um, you know, a much more positive framework and, and something that re- I mean, it's quite inspiring if you get it right. So uh, I'm a big champion of this, so good on you. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Emma. And, and some great recommendations there for people that caught them to two great books to add to your reading list, uh, Radical Focus and Radical Candor. Um, I, I've read both of those and they are fantastic. I'd, I'd highly, highly recommend them. Um, and, and just to let you all know, guys, we've, we've got some, some exciting news for all you guys who listen in America, which I know is quite a lot, actually, funnily enough. Um, Roger, the Derby Giants founder, is is actually going to be in New York um, next week, the week after you are listening to this, hopefully, um, on the 18th and 19th of November that week. So if if you'd like to book in to to meet with him, then just just drop us an email to growth at derbygiants.com. I know he would absolutely love to meet some of our listeners um, and kind of get to know you guys and, and understand more about you. Um, so, so drop us an email, growth at derbygiants.com, uh, and he'd be he'd be ecstatic to meet you guys. Um, and and of course, of always, feel free to join in the discussion on LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, use the hashtag Giant Talk. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Um, let us know if you if you agree with the things Emma's saying. If you disagree with any of them, that's also fine. Um, and and just just keep keep engaged. If there's anything that you want to hear in the future let us know. Um, But until then, I, I look forward to speaking to you guys next week. Cheers, Emma. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for having me.